Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to my special guest today, Lisa Potter. She is a passionate leader of women who lead, a grace downloader, and a generational bridge builder living out her passions through speaking, writing, worship, and mentoring the next generation of female leaders. She's the author of The Collective Journey, an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and the executive director for the Potomac Ministry Network, Women Who Lead, that I am blessed to be a part of. Lisa is a graduate of North Point Bible College and the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary with an MA in leadership and ministry. She and I are going to sit down today to talk about walking through seasons of loss and transition and how we can flourish in life and leadership. Welcome, Lisa. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you, Angela. Oh, I am honored to be on your podcast today. I've been watching you for many, many years and just seeing your influence spread. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my honor. I feel like we've been talking about it a while and I was like, yay, the day is finally here. Yes. (laughs) So you make your life matter in so many ways. And personally, I am so grateful for you in my life. You have been a cheerleader in my life and just come alongside. We've worked together. We've served together and I've known you for, I was trying to think last night. I don't even remember when I first met you. It's one of those relationships you've had for so long. (laughs) So I'm personally grateful for your voice in my life, as well as just your voice in our generation. And I know you might be new to some of our listeners. So I would love for them to just get to know you a little bit better, Lisa. And I know that you experienced some intense Valley seasons. They felt like to me that they were back to back. I don't know if you would describe them that way, but um, you know, you went through a season of cancer, you lost your brother in a very tragic accident. And so if you would just speak to us for a bit about your story and, and uh, kind of those seasons in particular. Yeah. Thank you, Angela. Um, Yeah. I feel like they were back to back actually. (laughs) It was kind of a rough season there for a while, but um, you know, my husband and I have been in ministry since we met in Bible college and uh, started pastoring young, kind of like uh, Dale and you, and just kind of launched out and did it. And we didn't know what we were doing, but um, I had uh, a season where, you know, we transitioned from church ministry into network ministry, which was kind of difficult. And in that season, I was coming out of like moving from where we had raised our children um, we'd lived there for 20 years, had really grown this wonderful church. And I call it the home of my heart, you know, and, and everybody, when I say that they go, Oh, cause they hate, yeah. you know, that you don't want to leave the home of your heart, but I did. And, and, um, at the time I was, I was rather ministry devastated, I guess you could say. And then, um, Going through all of that transition a year later in 2013, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and I'm a singer and a worship leader and so a speaker, and there were a lot of things that um, I had questions about. I had to go through major surgery with that, and they removed 
eight growths that were in my neck. Two were the size of golf balls Mm -hmm. and it ended up being thyroid cancer. So on lifelong medicine and working through that. And then in 2014, my, um, my brother was on a missions trip. He was pastoring a church in Denver, Colorado, and had taken a lot of men to uh, India to hike in the Himalayans. And he was like this man's man, my brother, Terry, you know, it was like he had rode the Rockies twice, done the whole seven day bicycle ride with teams and hiked the 14ers in Colorado. So he was very much in shape, prepared for this trip and through a freak accident, really. I mean, there are no freak accidents with God and we know that, but um, he was in a, uh, high elevation with his pack on. And I know you get all this because you've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, but he was packed up and everything he had for the trip was there. And um, a couple of cows just weirdly showed up in this small space and nudged him and he lost his balance and he fell and died. And it was just kind of threw our whole family into this other place of grief that I had never experienced really um, personally at such a um, high point. I say that our siblings are our first friends. And for my first time in my life, I had to learn to live life without him. He was the oldest and um, lit up a room. And so it was just this years of trying to live with a new normal. Mm -hmm. And then coming out of that, I was diagnosed um, a couple years later with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so um, praise God, they found it at a very early stage. And so I, you know, I just take some, I go every six months for some intensive screening and I take pills and medicine. I see an oncologist every six months and God has been so good to me, but You're right. It was a season of back-to-back suffering, just grief, um, emotional uh, things. But but with all of that, boy, my anchor became secure in God. And uh, I I was clinging sometimes tightly to just a little leaf, not even a solid branch. But, um, you know, it's in the clinging that we just go to these depths with God that we would never go to any other way. And so, yeah, that's so, quite a season. that's so true. And it's so powerful. And I've had a front row seat, you know, when you're in leadership, the way you are, Lisa, you're not even grieving in private. All of this was, no. was public and that can be very difficult. And uh, a couple of things really stood out to me as I watched you go through that season. One, I want to talk for just a second. You mentioned going through that season of transition that was like ministry devastation. I remember talking to you and you literally looked at your phone, you said, and you had all these appointments and things coming up and, you know, the typical pastor's wife and staff pastor that you had so many things going on at church and you literally were just hitting delete, 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 delete on your phone. And I thought, even this past year and a half or so many of us have just had canceled plans after canceled plans after canceled plans. What was that like to stare at a blank calendar and and now look at kind of a new season? And now that you can look back and think, okay, what felt like devastation really became the platform for where you are now serving 
But speak yeah. to someone who maybe is looking at a similar situation and it just feels like everything has been, the rug has been pulled out from under them and they, they're they staring at a bunch of canceled, mm-hmm. word canceled written over everything. What helped you to come through that, Lisa? And how have you emerged differently as a part of that kind of ministry devastation that you went through? Yeah, well, I love this quote by Ann Voskamp and I probably discovered it during that season and um it was something that I would hold on to but she she says what was intended to tear you apart God intends it to set you apart mm-hmm. and what has torn you God makes a thin place for us to see his glory and so powerful right uh, yeah. and I remember I was probably in one of my pit seasons when I I read that and like you said uh I had served for um 20 years at New Life at our church as a staff pastor and kind of you know those of us who marry pastors and we have a call of God on our life as well we just do whatever our hand finds to do yeah. and do it to make the ministry work. And so I had a ton of things on my calendar. And for the first time in Frank and I's life, we were, I realized, and he realized it later, um, I was like, wow, this position that he has now gone to, which I was thankful, because you know that it's positions that you're voted on by your peers. And it's very humbling that they your peers are asking you to serve. And so I was so excited for him. But I realized really there wasn't a place for me for the mm-hmm. very first time. And we'd always co-led together. We were a team. And so erasing that calendar was was very difficult for the first year. And I just, um, I think um, one of the things that makes remarkable women leaders um, is we have those of us who learn how to stand on our feet, have the ability to reframe tough situations. That's good. And for me, it was, it doesn't mean we don't fall into the pit first, (laughs) but you know, there's that point of being able to say, okay, God, you know, my situation has changed and, and what I knew was solid and sure footing under me, um, has kind of been ripped out, but you, you go to this deep place of saying, Lord, you know, help me to see this thin place of your glory and show me that, you know, my steps are still ordered of you. And what does that new path look like? And so for me, I was in prayer one day and I felt like I really needed to find a mentor. Um, I was at this place in my life where I needed to just submit myself to some intentional mentoring. And so I went through Alicia Britt Jolie's um, leadership intensive that she has and spent a year um, allowing Alicia to mentor me along with a group that I was a part of. In that time, I learned how to do spiritual prayer retreatings. Um, Mm -hmm. My spiritual formation just went into this different direction of more of soul care instead of being productive. And I allowed myself permission to let go of productivity and and enter into a place of soul care for the formation of my spirit during a time when I was kind of 
at first because, you know, when change happens, we try to grab every last branch to hold tight onto it. And it's like all of a sudden that branch just collapses and you're like, okay, I got it, Lord, you're the only thing left. And I'm, I'm listening and I'm here for you. And out of that year mentoring, um, God just started to, towards the end of it, open up divine, um, areas of new places, new pathways for me. Mm. And um, I went back to school. Um, I applied for my master's, you know, to go into a master's degree program. It was a women's leadership cohort. I started to just um, learn about these new passions I had and how could I take my personal story Mm. and implement it to the things that I've learned or the things I wish someone had come alongside me as a mentor and told me about, and how could I use that for God's glory in this new season? Because truly, you know, when you're doing church ministry, you don't have the gift of time. True. And I was given this gift of time Mm. to go back to school, to literally, um, cultivate new places of leadership. And I look at it now, like we've been in this season for nine years. Um, And I've, uh, Frank and I were talking the other night, I was like, I would never be doing these things. Had I still been connected to so much of the church ministry Mm. that we were doing earlier. And so falling off the, off the tree limb, just collapsing and letting God just take you to new places and trusting him. But key to women uh, leaders, there's, you know, there's five key things that I teach about, but one of them that's highly important to us is that ability to reframe. So Um, yeah, because our life will constantly take these shifts. And if we get stuck in a rut and don't, and, and we look at that, Shifting is negative instead of good. Um, and reframing is all about seeing the good when things are taken away. So it's so great. I remember reading one of Mark Batterson's early books and talked about reframing. And it is to me, as you're talking, Lisa, I hear what initially looked like erasing calendar and what some of us can feel like is erasing of identity. You know, what we've known how to do, right? What our identity has been, what our position has been. And what people don't know is the first position your husband had in our network was the uh, treasurer. And, um, and so he has eventually become our superintendent, which has been such a a wonderful thing to have a front row seat to how God has expanded your territory. But originally what could have felt like you know, like you said, the last vestige of a branch you're cleaning to really was a gift. So you were able to reframe it and to separate the removal of things that were in your life, calendars in your Mm -hmm. life, places of identity from your actual identity in God. And I think that is so critical for us as leaders to know that our identity has to be firmly grounded in Christ. I also love the fact, Lisa, that you shared with us, because you're a very vulnerable, authentic leader, that you tended to your soul intentionally in a season of great loss. You also mentioned that you, you eventually went on these prayer retreats, because that speaks to me, because I heard you share on a couple of occasions that you went through a season you didn't even want to pray because when Terry yeah. passed away, yeah. your mom was actually at a prayer meeting. Um, when that happened, speak to someone who's maybe feeling like, 
you know, look, I persevered. I, I'm trying to hang on to the last branch. I feel like my prayers are falling on deaf ears. I know that you can relate to that. What would you say as encouragement for someone who's feeling that right now, Lisa? Um, yeah, because like the part of the story that I didn't go into that you just mentioned is a really important part of of my story of grief because we were asked to um, travel two and a half hours to my mom and dad to share the news with them that early morning that Terry was gone. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got to their house, they weren't there. And it was a Wednesday morning. And I was like, where are they? It's like nine o'clock in the morning. They live about two and a half hours from us. And so it hit me there at prayer meeting at the church that affected me more than I thought it had. And I, um, when we went in to tell my mom that she was, her son was gone, basically, she was on her face on the, on the ground, praying in the back chapel with the women. And she was crying out for Terry's protection mm-hmm. Lord, while he's hiking today, be with him and just surround your angels. And, and I started to come up with these like, Afterwards, I noticed my prayer life really dwindled and Mm. I wasn't praying a lot. I would find myself when I was even blessing the food in my mind, I would be like, why do we do this? Mm. You know, why do we even do this? What's the purpose of this? And it was kind of where I'd come to this hard place for me. And I was asking these questions like, what if God doesn't answer my prayers? Will I trust him? You know, and what if, you know, I don't see him answer another prayer for anybody else. Um, Will I trust him? So my questions were, can I trust you, God? And then I was actually teetering with, will I trust you? Which is a deep spiritual formation place to be. And coming out of that, what I noticed was God wasn't afraid of my questions. Mm -hmm. He wasn't afraid that I was even wondering, would I trust him? I think he knows Um, But the deepness that that took me, the core place of my soul, of actually coming to finalize that and come to terms with that, I feel like if I had patched it up for leadership purposes, um, I wouldn't be a healthy leader like Mm -hmm. I am today. That's so good. And the Lord has really used that story. And like you said, my vulnerability to share it, because it's not something as leaders we want to share, like people do look at us at this level and you're, you're actually admitting that you came to a trajectory in your walk with God, where you were like, I'm not even sure I'm going to trust you. Um, But in the end we do. And in the end, I, it was another place of, of saying God is able to be trusted. And even for those listening today, it's, it's like whatever struggle you're going through, I feel like we don't allow a lot of times a place for lament and suffering Mm. in our theology. And so I had to, you know, I'm fourth generation AG, um, back to my great grandmother, you know, my daughter's bleeding generation. We bleed AG over here. So I was like, I was always taught like that praying, you know, in our walk with God, we want a joy and victory and sunny days, not rainy days. And if we pray and if we do one, two and three, God will answer. Mm-hmm. And at that moment of that trajectory of grief and watching the the most significant prayer warrior that I had ever watched in my life, my mother, 
praying, like growing up hearing her pray, um, it it really showed me that God is okay with lament. He's okay with suffering. That it's this these thin places, these torn places that we come into an arena where we see the glory of God in our life in such a different way. We'll get right back to this week's episode. I want to help you make life matter with some free resources at AngelaDenadio.com. You'll also find my books, albums, and ways to connect. While you're there, join my online community and be the first to hear exciting updates. If you long to walk where Jesus walked and are ready for the Bible to come alive in ways you have never experienced before, journey with me and Carol McLeod to Israel in 2022. Get all the details at AngelaDenadio.com. And I, I could not agree more with you having watched you walk through this, that I don't think we would be the people we are had we not walked through difficulty, but it's not just that we walk through it. I think it's how we walk through it. And to say, I'm going to choose a posture of authenticity and availability. And I think you have, you have stewarded the pain and the challenges that you have been through. And now that is an example to us. If we're walking through grief or loss or the seasons of transition or looking at canceled plans or looking at unanswered prayers or whatever we're looking at today, how can we reframe it? How can we even see it as a gift? And, and I see now that you've really used that the gift of time that you were given the gift of new perspective, the gift of your own soul care, which now is transferring to the soul care of so many other women. So I want to talk about the collective journey. You are the author and this is the description. I'm just going to read this description because it's so powerful. And I, I just speaking to my heart, right? I know, right. We are speaking (laughs) the same language. And if you are a woman and a leader on here, or listen, if you're a man and you are listening Women are powerful leaders and Lisa is such a leader of leaders. And so I want to just encourage us uh, to validate the call of God on our lives as women. And this is what you say about the collective journey. Women grow stronger through being together. This proves especially true when women connect intergenerationally and learn from one another. The collective journey is designed to help women flourish in life and leadership to identify and mentor female leaders who are satisfied in their calling, belong to a meaningful community, share their stories to create change and seek leadership development that will enhance the pipeline with strong, capable female leaders. Can I, can I just yeah. say yes and amen and all of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. all of the amens that we can do. So let's just talk about how God birthed this in you and how can we foster this culture of championing one another as women rather than competing with one another? Oh, yeah. And, you know, we often say uh, women, women, female leaders often say that their biggest struggle is with men accepting them in leadership. But it's not. Come on. Women are hard on women. We are. We're hard on ourselves (laughs) and we're hard on other women. We're hard on ourselves and we're hard on other women. True. And um, it's just kind of. You know, um, one thing I love to do is celebrate my femaleness. Like I never wanted to be anything else but a girl. And um, the way we're created in the image of God is is different from a man. And so with that, um, I've just done a lot of research out of my personal experience, but academically as well. But 
truly the start of this passionate passion for the collective journey came out of my lack of mentor. And we've gone down that road in my early years of ministry and leadership life. Um, and because of that, at my age now, you know, I'm older than you. And uh, it really, <laughs> well, I am, but you know, I just had a birthday and I was like, oh, those numbers. And, I know. And I can't even flip them now. The numbers don't work flipped. <laughs> they're, <laughs> but, worse. they're worse. They're worse <laughs> when I flip them. <laughs> so anyways, but um, I just really have this desire in passion to mentor the next generation uh, of female leaders Um, and several things like living through like um, and that's a whole other story but I was 28 years old when we went to our church that we ended up being at for 20 years and ended up seeing a counselor I went through some depression and one of the first things he said to me was as a young 28 year old he said who are your friends Hmm. I was like I don't have friends. And Angela, you probably remember this back in the day, they would tell us, you can't have friends in the church. Yeah. You're, if you're the leader, you can't have friends in the church. Well, I lived at the church and I didn't have anything else to do outside of the church. I was in a new community, a new place. Mm-hmm. And so my homework assignment that day was literally to go find friends. And, uh, Uh, So from that and from research, my personal experience, research that I've done academically, I've created the collective journey for next generation female leaders. And um, several, uh, there are four things that I found in the research, and I take it from Second Timothy, you know, Paul's relationship with Timothy, and where he's saying fan the flame, you know, and he's using all of these Um, he says, remember your mother and your grandmother. And there's, so there's power in our story. Yeah. You know, we have to take, so we talk about four things in the collective journey. The first foundation we go through as women is core self, which is that soul care that I've learned that power of inward reflection, that healthy place of leading from a healthy heart Mm -hmm. and a healthy life. And then we go into a second foundation, which is communion, which is the power of your story. And I talk about in that they do a story map. And I talk about in that um, foundation how God has asked us, you know, to, you know, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Mm. You partake of the bread and the blood, the cup. But it was the painful part of his story that he had. Mm. He's asking us to celebrate. Remember, yeah. To remember and celebrate. And so that whole foundation takes the communion table that analogy and how we learn to celebrate the tough stuff and the good stuff and have gratitude. And as leaders, we can't negate our life and what has happened in our life. We can't tuck it somewhere or cover it up. It's who we are. It births our passions. You know, for me, a walk with depression at 28 years old has caused me to be passionate to come alongside younger women and hold their hands up and cheer them up. And then the third thing we talk about is calling, which is the power of God's design in you. And then community is the last one, the power of your network, because as women, the we're created for community. You know, Adam was alone for a while, but our whole name is and everything about us talks about how we are, we've never been alone and we're created to just be together. So to to be with someone 
And so we talk about in that foundation, like you're created for community, but your tribe's much bigger than you and your tribe will connect you to other tribes, which is that whole intergenerational component. I love it. I'm reading Erica Wigglehorn's book right now, um, Letting Go and Letting God Be Enough. And she she says in there, we were created for enhancement, not competition. And yes. I immediately thought of you when I read that quote, because I feel like that is the way you model leadership is we are to enhance one another, yes. to come alongside one another, cheer one another, not compete. I want to just ask you a question about calling because we can hear that word, Lisa. And I think some people can get a little bit kind of deer in headlights, like, oh, I don't know what my calling is, or I don't know what calling means. Can you give us kind of a nutshell of that for someone who's maybe listening, saying, I desperately want to know what I'm called to do, or how do I walk in my calling? Yeah, well, vision and values, um, one of the foundations, the calling foundation that I have them do one of the activities is they leave with a vision and value statement. And it's as simple as asking people around you, like, what are some words that would describe me? Hmm. And um, you'll notice if, as you ask some of your inner circle and peripheral people around you, that the same words start to be used. And so calling is really about how God has created us and what what our personality is and what you know uh, drives us, um, what we're passionate about. It it envelops our story. Yeah. Um, many people we see, you know, like Angela, you're doing this podcast and the books you've written are all part of your journey and your physical health and the things that you walked through. It birthed something in you that wanted you in your calling to make a difference. That's right. And so calling is meaning and passions. What, what brings you meaning? What keeps you up at night? Yeah. And I ask those intentional questions to the women. What do you like to celebrate? What makes mm-hmm. you cry? Yeah. You know, that's, that's calling and it's not positional. We that's often good. want to put titles to it, but calling is every day. It's, it's how I order my life. It's how I function. It's my priorities. Yeah. Um, you know, part of my calling is to be a wife and a mother to, uh, you know, I've got two adult children and to not make my schedule so full that I can't have dinner with Lindsay or go to visit Andrew in California. And it's like, that's part of my calling. That's, that's part of what I'm passionate about. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I define it. At the end of that, they come off with a vision and value statements. One of the young women in my last group, I asked them at the closing retreat, what was really defining for you during the collective journey? And she just started to weep. And she said, I can't believe I would have gone my entire life without a vision and value statement. Oh, wow. She said that foundation changed everything for me. Wow. And so um, I love it. I, I love the collective journey. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be a book really soon. I know. I want to oh, say, let's talk about it. Available. There's a couple <laughs> so, of ways people can access it, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a college course now that you're teaching yeah. as well as a book. So share with us how they can access that. And also the resources you have with women who lead, you have a podcast there, you have our mm-hmm. roar conference that they live out here on the East coast. So share with us how we can access all of these different resources, Lisa, that you offer. 
Yes. Well, we the, starting with the collective journey, uh, I do uh, retreats. I do a mentoring, new mentoring group, and it's kind of too late for the 2021-22 group, but um, you can go to the collective-journey.com. That's our website, and there's uh, some video um, footage on there of women sharing their story mm-hmm. and how this the collective journey has changed their life. Um, that is a six-month mentoring where you get a one-on-one with me monthly. We do an opening retreat, a closing retreat. You travel with a group of women that are in your cohort and get to build a community of women, leaders, exceptional female leaders. And then everything else we do is done like kind of through Zoom and meetings that way. And then uh, I'm publishing it as a book. Yay! So yes, you'll be able to get, to order it as a book through Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the major you know, outlets for books. And uh, also we'll have it available on PMN Women Who Lead, as well as the Collective Journey website can order through there. Uh, But it'll be a book and you could actually, there will be a free downloadable mentoring guide. Mm -hmm. So I encourage women to actually um, start these within their community. So everybody would order a book and then whoever's leading the mentoring can um, have a free resource. It'll walk you through as the leader of this group. And you can do it with your women, um, your friends. You can go on the journey together collectively and and do all of the story maps and, and vision and value statements and um, all of those cool things. And then I'm teaching at Ascent college so that's ascent.edu and it's the women's collective cohort and dr rob roden and myself are the brains behind this and um we're offering four classes and the first one is starting next wednesday they're online classes for eight weeks you can audit them if you already have your education you're like well that would be cool you can audit the class so i've turned the collective journey into an eight-week academic class as well I'm excited. I think yeah. I'm going to take that myself, Lisa. And you, if you're listening, you can't see her face, but guys, her entire face lights up when she talks about this. So Lisa, it's so evident it's that it's, passion. it is your passion and it's, and it's a gift for us that it's your passion. Yeah. You also mentioned there quickly PWN women who lead. That is the Potomac women's network, women who lead. So yeah. if you're out on the East coast, you have a big conference roar. I know Lisa Harper is yeah. the uh, special guest for us next year. And uh, so there's so many ways. I'll put all this in the show notes too, that they'll know how, but the collective journey, and that has a dash in it. So that is the collective dash journey.com. And uh, once the book comes out, we'll let our listeners know about that too. And guys, Lisa's going to pray over you in just a moment. If you're listening today and you're thinking, oh, I feel like there's places in my life that have been torn. I feel like there's places that have been erased. Just begin to reframe that and see that as a place that those thin places become an opportunity for God's glory to come through. And it's so evident um, in your life, Lisa, and the way that you're letting not only reflecting the glory of God, but, but letting him use you to make life matter. But before she prays, um, I like to ask one last question, and then I'm going to share a truth that matters, um, our closing truth that matters today. But I'm curious to know this, other than Jesus, when you get to heaven, what person in the Bible has most impacted you or inspired you to make your life matter, Lisa? Uh, Deborah. 
Oh, Deborah yes. through and through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's the one. I really think that, um, you know, leading at a time when, oh my goodness, women were not leading and she was the leader of Israel. She was. Um, that's crazy, right? And we're talking judges. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking back into judges. And so um, I have tons of things I would love to ask Deborah and mm-hmm. sit down by a cool brook and talk to her for hours. <laughs> yeah. She's extraordinary. I, one of the yes. things I love about her, even I thought about it in the pandemic, is it says village life had ceased until she arose a mother arose. in Israel. Mother. And that's a call to us to rise and walk in our calling. Yeah. Not let fear, not let intimidation, not let marginalization, whatever it might be, keep us from walking in our calling. God has equipped us and called us to do things for his kingdom, kingdom purpose. And uh, so I love Deborah. I I completely understand why you chose her. And she's an extraordinary leader and a a powerful example for us. Oh, a scripture that came to mind as I was preparing this, Lisa, um, you mentioned this early on at Roar when we kind of revamped women's ministry here in the network and you launched Roar. The Lord had given you a powerful scripture as kind of the framework. And I want to just close with this truth that matters today to encourage maybe even a female listener um, that God is going to use you and use your voice. Psalm 68 verse 11 says, the Lord announces the word. So that's up to him that's and the right. women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. So that's the intention that we will proclaim his word. And we do that through our story. Like you said today, our story speaks. We do that through our calling. We do that through community, through the way that we are um, enhancing and coming alongside of the lives of others. So Lisa, thank you so much for the way that you're making your life matter and that you have now deposited and invested into the next generation that they can make their lives matter. That that young girl that said to you, to think I would have gone my whole life without being able to know truly what God has called me to do. So thank you so much. Thank you for your authenticity. Thank you for the way you inspire us to lead um, with authenticity, to tend to our souls and to allow those thin places in our life to become the very places God wants to reveal his glory. So thank you, Lisa. I'm so honored to have had you today. And I'd love for you to pray of our listeners, especially anything that may have resonated with you today. I would love to. And thank you, Angela. You are a gift to all of us. Thank you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we adore you. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that At the end of the day and at the morning when we rise, you can be trusted, Lord, and we will trust you. And God, in the thin places in our life, we will choose to see your glory through it, your hand extended to us, Lord. And we will lament and we will allow suffering to have its root. But joy comes in the morning, Lord, and we won't stay there, but we will, Lord, shine with the goodness of you. And I pray for the women and the men and those who might be listening today to the podcast. God, the leaders who may have tuned in and things aren't just going right and COVID has shifted everything. But Lord, your name is higher than all names and you are the God who will always come through in the end. And so, Lord, I pray for them, God, that you would, Lord, just um, that as they come into stillness with you, Lord, that you would, they would discern this is the way walk in it. And Lord, if it's, they're not hearing your voice, that they would sit still and allow the stillness, Lord, to be a place where they see your glory. 
and we just thank you for it. Lead and guide us, we pray. I pray for Angela, Lord. Guide her today in all of her ways. And from here on out, we thank you for this podcast, Lord, and let it just go places we could never imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.